0: Everyone say, Jesus is joy. So good. Wes, we can bring the lights up a little bit, a little bit. I know I told you I like it dark, but this is a little better. She's sorry, I'm moving your mic. All right, here we go. Jesus is joy. This is our last week in our series in Advent. Advent continues all the way up through uh, Christmas Eve. Can anyone remember what Advent means? Shout it out, shout it out. Advent means arrival. Everyone say, Arrival. Arrival. So what Advent is, is it's a period of time leading up to Christmas where we remember the arrival, the, the, the coming of Jesus. And So we've talked about how Jesus is hope and how Jesus is peace. And this morning we're leaning into this good truth that Jesus is joy. One more time, can you say Jesus is joy? I want you to remember that. If you're taking notes, write that at the top of your page, big letters, Jesus is joy. Joy, and as we as we get ready to enter into God's word uh, that Miss Eve has already kind of led us into in that passage, I, I'm really really excited and expectant for this morning because I think joy is one of the most important things that we get to receive as believers in Jesus. Right? I think I think joy is so important, and I think if we we're to be honest, like when when maybe if, if uh, when people are asked about like what comes to your mind when you think about church. And when you think about Christians, I don't know if, if most people would say joy as their first answer, right? Like maybe some people think that Christians are really judgmental or they're kind of cynical or critical or maybe they're, they're kind of fake, right? You, you, have you guys ever experienced that? Like you're trying to talk to someone and it's like, man, this person just seems like they're, they're kind of like they have like a fake optimism, you know, where it doesn't really seem real. But I believe we as Christians can live with true, deep joy. Everyone say joy. Because, see, I this is going to sound kind of mean, but but I actually really mean this. I I really don't care uh, like about happiness, about about my happiness, about like my my wife's happiness, about my friend or family's happiness. I don't I don't really care about like you guys always being happy. Which I know sounds like kind of like mean, like hold on, Like, what, what do you mean you don't want me to be happy? But I think in the world that we live in, there is so much emphasis on happiness. On always feeling good and getting what we want, and, and if we're hungry, like eating good food. Like if I want something, like if something's going to make me happy, I should just have it. And, and what happens is often when happiness is the most important thing to us, it actually robs us from living in true joy. Because joy is not on the basis of whether life is good or not. It's something more consistent than that. I'll describe it to you guys like this. Can you think of a time in your life when you had a really great moment of happiness that quickly turned into like an absolutely like terrible like moment. Like you were experiencing like a lot of happiness and then like within like two seconds it it turned into a straight moment of just absolute like anger or sadness. You guys ever had that? You guys ever had that? I think of like my, my five-year-old birth, birthday party, okay? My, my, my birthday party at five years old. We went to this place called Mr. Biggs. Have you guys ever been to or heard of Mr. Biggs? Yeah, some of y'all are like, what in the world is that? I know, terrible name. It, it was the name of an arcade that was like over like Nevada, Rock Rim area. And this arcade was awesome. Who here loves arcades? Yeah, arcades, arcades are great. I love all the sports games, but especially five-year-old me, but honestly still like 22-year-old me today. I, I love Star Wars. Anyone love Star Wars in here? Yeah, yeah. Me, me and some of the boys were just talking about this, Revenge of the Sith. What a great movie, so awesome. But like, like I remember there's this Star Wars game where in, in the movie Return of the Jedi, you guys ever seen Return of the Jedi? It's like the sixth movie, the last of the three original movies, yeah. So like there's this moment where like they're on the, the planet of Endor, right? And they're on Endor, and like what the rebels have to do is get into this Imperial base to like blow it up, so that the shield from like the second Death Star comes down, all of that good stuff. And so what the game was at the arcade is you start like out in the forest with little Ewoks, you know, all those guys. And so you start in the forest, and you have to like battle your way through until you get into the Imperial-like stronghold and blow it up. And so, of course, like any arcade, they want your money, right? They, they want your money. And so there's all these different ways like where you can like like respawn, right? You get like three lives and it's like if you like die in the game, you like pay another quarter and you come back to life. You die in the game, you pay another quarter, you come back to life. And so I did this a few times. I was on my last like life. And so, and so I had like one more life if I had another quarter. And so I'm getting close to finishing this level and of course I ended up, I like, I, I got beat, and, I, and I, I lose in the game. I lose, like, my, my life in the game. But the good news is that I can respawn one more time. But there was a problem. There was a problem. Is that uh, I didn't have the money bag with the quarters, which, of course, I was five years old. Like, I wasn't responsible with that, right? And so, like, like I didn't have the money bag with the quarters. And so I'm looking around for my family, and they're nowhere to be found. And so I start going to panic, right, the, like the, the countdown is going, you have 30 seconds to like put another quarter to like claim your last life, and I am freaking out. I'm like, I'm having the greatest birthday ever, like five-year-old me is happy, I love Star Wars, instantly into a moment of panic of like, oh my gosh, this might be the worst day of my life. Like the, the, the actual worst day of my life, so I'm looking around for my siblings, for like my mom, my dad, and like the, the money was somewhere else, I couldn't find them, and I lost the game, how many of you guys know I went from like the happiest little five-year-old ever to the most miserable, just like deep sad boy hours, little Mateo. Do you guys know what it's like to have a moment of extreme happiness quickly robbed with experiences of anger or sadness? This is why we as believers are called to something much better, much more than mere happiness. Mere, than mere happiness. I love this, this uh, definition of joy that we, that we use around here. It's this, is that joy is delight that runs deeper than pain or pleasure. Joy is delight that runs deeper than, than both pain or pleasure. Joy is God's gift. Did everyone say God's gift. Joy is God's gift, and it can be experienced even amid extreme difficulty. This is, this is super important, right? We're, we as Christians, joy is a gift that is given to us. And friends, it, it runs so much deeper than both pain, than, both, than seasons of suffering, than bad circumstances, things going really, really bad. Joy is deeper than that, and joy is also deeper than great circumstances, than five-year-old me playing Star Wars and having a great time at the arcade. It, it's so much deeper deeper than that. And, and we see this all throughout this book, right? Like, like if you ever read the book of Acts, what, it's like one of the most like, epic books in the Bible. There's all sorts of cool stories. And you open up the book of, of Acts and what you see is that the disciples, the apostles of Jesus had true, deep joy. Everyone say true joy. Everyone say true joy. They had true joy. And we see this that even when, when the, like, the people of God, they are, they are dragged before the religious leaders and they are beaten. Right, like they are, they are persecuted for their faith in Jesus. What does it say they do when they leave? They rejoice. They, they rejoice. Like you have the, these, these, these Christians who love Jesus so much and they see Jesus as so worthy that after getting beaten, after being like, like mercilessly flogged and they're bleeding and they have bruises and they're being mocked, like all this persecution when they're released on their way home, they're saying, hallelujah. Like, like praise God. They're saying, like, like, Lord, thank you so much for counting me worthy of taking on suffering like you did, Jesus. They rejoiced. How do we live with that kind of joy? How, how do we live with a joy that isn't based on circumstances? That, that, like, come the worst of the worst, like, getting beaten. Like, come the worst of the worst, like, like people hating you because you're a follower of Jesus. People mistreating you because you stand for truth. How do we live in a joy where where we leave that and we rejoice? We say, Lord, thank you so much that you use suffering to make me more like you. Lord, thank you so much that even in the worst pain that I'm going through, I get to know you How do we experience true, deep joy? That's what I want to dig into this morning. So number one is this. I've got three simple points for us tonight. We're going to a short time of worship. Or this morning, it's definitely this morning. We experience true joy when we acknowledge God as the gift giver. And number one is this. How do we live and experience true joy? I believe that we experience true joy when we acknowledge God as the gift giver. Who here loves getting gifts? Yeah, I think, I think like probably all of us, like now what a good gift is to you might differ from me. Like I, I was just asked for, for our student ministry's Instagram, like what do you want from, for Christmas? And my answer was like I need some like Nike crew socks because all my socks got holes in it. Anyone relate? Anyone relate, right, like, like my, for some reason, like, like right here, like the ball of my foot and my heel, just like massive holes, and so they're super uncomfortable to wear. So what do I want for Christmas? I want some socks. But maybe for some of you, it's like you want like a sick like Lego set, you want like a fresh pair of shoes, like whatever it is, like we like receiving gifts, right? Get, receiving gifts is nice like i asked my wife i was like hey I, I would love like a nice steak dinner for christmas like that's that's a good present for me okay i i don't need like things besides socks it's like so socks and like a steak dinner i'm happy all right i'm, I'm happy but like like we 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 enjoy receiving good gifts and, and i think sometimes when when we come into church or when we when we come together to worship sometimes i think that we, we can get a little confused of, okay, like, Jesus is all I need. And so, like, you know, we, we sing songs, you know, give me, give me Jesus, only, only Jesus. And sometimes we can almost look at, at the good gifts that God has given us as evil, right? Like, maybe you guys have thought about this before. Like, maybe it sounds kind of confusing to be like, okay, God gives me these good things, but also, like, I, I'm supposed to, like, find joy in God and God alone. I believe that what, keeps us, that what keeps us safe from idolatry, from, from looking at something or someone on this earth to fulfill us, what keeps us safe from that is when we acknowledge that God is the gift giver. Are you with me? When we acknowledge that everything we have is a gift given from above. And so like, like if you find joy and like the beauty of creation, like, how many of y'all know, like, Friday morning came, like, Wednesday and Thursday, it was, like, snowy and foggy and kind of gloomy. Friday morning, I wake up, and I look at the mountains covered with snow, and it's sunny outside, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, like, thank you, Lord. Like, he, he is the, he's the maker of, of that beautiful creation. I can look at him and say thank you. I can, I can think about, like, the people that God's put in my life. And if I go to those people and and I want them to always satisfy me, if I want them to always make me happy to get what I want, friends, hear me. That's called idolatry. Everyone say idolatry. Pay attention. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. Like whenever we go to a gift that God has given us and we want that thing to satisfy our own desires and our own needs all the time, then all of a sudden we go to that thing or we go to that person. We go to that, that good gift, that ability, that talent that God has given us and we start to misuse it. We start to misuse it and we try to take it for ourselves when instead good gifts are given to us. So we can see God as the gift giver. I'll say it like this. We experience deep joy when we receive God's gift as an expression of his love. Okay, we, we experience deep joy when we receive God's gifts as an expression of his love. Where the most important thing isn't that person or that thing that we love. The most important thing is that we see that it is God who is the giver of that good gift. Can you say amen? Number two is this, how do we experience true deep joy? We experience true joy when we see God's will as better than our will. We experience true joy when we see God's will as better than our will. Eva was reading a passage from Luke 1 where after, after Mary, the mother of Jesus, visits her Elizabeth, her relative, she sings this, this song of rejoicing to God, thanking him for his, his grace and his mercy and his goodness. But if you think about the person of Mary, you think about her story, sometimes we can kind of just like get caught up in like, yeah, we know the Christmas story, we, we know all the facts. I want us to try to like really picture this, okay? So I want you guys to imagine with me. Everyone me. Everyone look at me, everyone look at me, everyone look at me. Everyone look at me. There you go. Like, I want you guys to try to picture this, okay? Mary, the mother of Jesus, is like a 14, 15, 16-year-old girl. Like, a teenage girl. How many of you guys are 14 in this room? Very any 14-year-olds? Okay, 13-year-olds. There we go, there we go, there we go. I was t- talking more to the girls, Elias, but you are 13, and that was my bad. 13-year-old girls, there we go. That was... I, I should have clarified that. I was thinking 13-year-old girls because Mary was a girl. You know what I'm saying? Okay. It's okay. You'll get, you'll get there. Okay. Anyways. So, like, you think about, like, Mary being, like, this teenage girl. Like, not much older than some of you. And, and like, if, you, if like you know the story, right? Like, Mary is, like, just chilling. All of a sudden, like, an angel shows up. Like, greetings, oh, favored one. And, of course, like, Mary's, like, distressed and is, like, confused and, like, ah! Right? Like, an angel comes out of nowhere. And, of course, the angel's always, like, don't be afraid. It's, like, well. I, I, I get jump scared really easy, so I put myself in their shoes. It's like I'd be freaking out. Like an angel comes out of nowhere and it's like, hello, like favored one. It's like, ah. It'd be, it'd be, anyways, anyway. So like we see like this, this account where, where the angel starts to tell Mary, hey, like you are going to, you're going to give birth to a child. And this child is going to be the son of God, the Messiah, the long awaited one. Right? And, and think about how much fear Mary might be feeling in this moment. Like a teenage girl. Who's about, to, who's about to mother the very son of God, who's about to, to be the mother of the Messiah, the savior of the world. Think about the fear. Think about the questions, the doubts, the pressure. How am I gonna do this? I don't even know. There, there's all these things. So thinking about the social isolation because she, she was not married yet, so getting pregnant would mean that she would be in social isolation, the punishment for adultery, for, for someone having a child outside of marriage was being stoned, was being killed because it was sin. So think about all the things that Mary's thinking about right now. Think about the fear and the doubt and the questions and all these things. And we see Mary's response in Luke 1:38. And this is what Mary says. Pay attention here, pay attention.
1: Luke 1:38. Mary's response to the angel. She says, and behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Mary's response, this young teenage girl with questions, with doubts, with confusion, with fear, with all of these things. What is her response to this news? I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be done to me according to your will. Mary says, your will be done. How does Mary, how does Mary
0: rejoice in God? How do we, how does Mary sing the song in, in Luke 1, 46, 47? My soul rejoices, my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. I believe it's because Mary saw that God's will was better than hers. Everyone say better. God's will is better than hers. God's will is so much better than ours. And friends, what I can tell you is that it's like for any of us, whenever we live for our own desires, when we live just to satisfy our own desires, when we try just to get our own happiness, when we try to live for ourselves, friends, hear me clearly this morning. It will lead you into disappointment time and time and time again. When we, when we live for ourselves, when like the greatest goal of our lives is just our own personal satisfaction, We will live in disappointment time and time again. And what Jesus offers is a better way is that when we see that God's will is better than ours, we're able to take joy, even in difficult circumstances, in scary things, because we know that he has a good plan. Are you with me? Are you with me? We know that he has a good plan. The reason why Mary was able to rejoice and have true, genuine joy was not because something wasn't hard. It was not because she wasn't scared. It's because she knew that the Savior coming, the Messiah coming into the world was so much better than her
1: own comfort, than her own desire. I'll say it like this, that we experience true, deep joy when Jesus is our treasure. We experience true joy when we see Jesus as
0: our treasure, when we see him as better than anything or anyone else. And even even if it means suffering for him, even if it means going through trials and tribulations, hear me. What it means is that through all of that, he walks with us. Through all of that, he has a good plan to draw us
1: closer to him. Number three is this. How do we live in true, deep joy? We experience deep joy, true joy, when Christ's joy is our joy. We experience true joy when Christ's joy is our joy. If you're on your phone right now, I need you to go ahead and put your phones away. Look at me. Everyone look at me. Thank you. We experience true joy when Christ's joy is our joy. Now what do we, what do we see in scripture? If we're going with the definition
0: of joy, that joy is delight that runs deeper than pain or pleasure. What does God's heart delight in? I think something we see really clear is that God's heart delights in childlike faith. Everyone say childlike faith. Childlike faith, right. We see this over and over again. Jesus says, let the little children come to me. He talks about if we do not have faith like a little child, that we can't receive the kingdom of God. There's something about childlike faith. Let me ask you guys this. Have you ever been around someone that just because they're such a, a truly joyful person, it gives you joy? You guys, you guys have anyone like that in your life where just because they, like they're like they're so joyful, like you automatically just kind of live in joy. Have you guys ever had that before? Right? Like, I I think about this like well, I think one of the best examples of this is little kids. Who here just like thinks little kids are the best? Like like babies or, like little toddlers. <laughs> Some of y'all are like, no, my little sibling is a little kid. No, no delight there. No, that's fair. That's fair. I know, D- different experience. But, like I love, I love little. Kids, I think they're like adorable and they, they carry this like innocence and this joy, right? Like this innocence and this joy. There's, there's, these, there's, there's these little kids that they're, they're my uh, wife's cousin's kids, okay, wife's cousin's kids. And so the two girls were our flower girls in our wedding. They're five and four. Their names are Audrey and Chloe. And so this past Thanksgiving, Lindsay and I got to go home to Atlanta and hang out with her family. And so we got to see Audrey and Chloe. So we went over to her cousin's, her cousin's house for a game night. And so we're hanging out with Chloe and Audrey. They're staying up way too late because the party's in town. So they're, you know, staying up late doing their thing. And so, you know, mom and dad are like, hey, Audrey, Chloe, time to go to bed now. Go, go ahead and, like, and start saying good night. And so they're saying goodnight to everyone, and, and me and Chloe are like this, like we're, we're homies, like we just have so much fun together. So, so Chloe is saying bye to everyone, of course she saves me for last, and she's okay, like goodnight, Matato, they, they don't know how to say my name, they say Matato. <laughs> they, said, they said to their mom the other day, they're like, who would name their kid Matato? And she's like, that's a great question, that's not his name, that's a great question. And so they're, they're saying goodnight, and so she says, you know, goodnight, Matato, and then she goes, wait, I need to show you my toothpaste. And she and she just runs like off to the bathroom to go get her toothpaste. And she comes back with this like bin of like two toothbrushes. I don't know why she had two toothbrushes. All of her other siblings only had one favorite child. I don't know. But like two, two toothbrushes and like this orange flavored toothpaste. Have you guys ever had orange flavored toothpaste? I ain't never seen that in my life. I asked Lauren, I was like, orange flavor? She's like, it's on sale, bro. I was like, I respect it. But like Chloe comes over and there's such joy in this moment, right? Where she, she just says, Let me show you my toothpaste. She runs out the room and we're all just laughing. Like we're laughing. There's just, like, a sweet joy. Like, uh, Chloe's mom is over there just crying because it's so cute. It's, like, so precious. But, like, let me, like, let me ask you guys this. Did Chloe showing me her toothpaste, like, did, like, was that really important to me? Like, did I need to know what flavor toothpaste she uses? No. <laughs> no. The answer is no. Like, like, me knowing what flavor toothpaste Chloe uses, like, that doesn't offer me anything. I'm not, I, I'm not trying orange flavor toothpaste. I ain't never doing that, right? Like, until I have kids and they get to try right? But like, like I, it didn't really offer me anything. But there was a joy, right? And in, in the innocence of her joy, it brought joy to me. And friends, I think in the same way, we as Christians, we are meant to receive joy when we see what brings Christ joy. Are you with me? Let me let's, look, let's look at Hebrews 12.2. Worship team, you guys can go ahead. Come on up. Hebrews 12.2. This is one of my favorite verses in all of scripture and it shows us what Christ finds joy in. So, so clear. I need you guys to
1: stay focused on me. Everyone look at me. Look at me. Or you can look up at the screen. Hebrews 12.2 says this. It starts with, let
0: us run with endurance the race that is set, be- that is set before us, looking to
1: Jesus. Everyone say, look to Jesus. And you have to pay attention. Off, off your phones, guys. I'm out. Looking to Jesus. You guys just close your eyes with me, actually. I want you guys to try to imagine. Just close your eyes. Close your eyes. Let's Just run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking to Jesus. The founder and perfecter of our faith. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Keep your eyes closed. I want you to try to imagine. I want you to try to imagine Jesus. Close your eyes, close your eyes. And I want you to try to to imagine
0: Jesus. Maybe you imagine him hanging on the cross. Hanging there on a tree, crown of thorns digging into his skull with blood dripping down, nails in his hands and feet. People mocking him, people who had beaten him, abused him and hurt him. Maybe you think of Jesus sitting at the right hand of God in glory. Why do you just try to picture it? You can open your eyes. now. Everyone look at me. Everyone look at me. Friends, I believe that we as Christians, we get to experience this, this true, deep joy. And we get to receive because of what Christ delights in. And you know what Jesus Christ delights in? He delights in his people. He delights in his people. Right? What do we what do we see here in Hebrews 12? Is that it is for the joy that is set before him, he endures the cross. Like th- think about how how crazy this sounds. Right, like the cross that meant Jesus like had to go through the worst pain and suffering that any person had ever gone through in the world. He's going through physical pain and suffering. He's being, he's being emotionally broken and hurt. The people who he came to save are the ones who want him nailed to the cross. And it says, for the joy that is set before him, he endured the cross. Think about that. How does that make sense? Could it be that Jesus, knowing the pain and the suffering, knowing, knowing that this, this, would, this would cost him so much, still had delight in his heart because he knew that going to the cross meant that you and I and the people of the world could be offered forgiveness. Knowing that what he came and became a baby to do in the first place was to come and ransom us, to buy us back, to pay the debt for sin that you and I were supposed to pay. Jesus tells us in the Gospels that there is much rejoicing in heaven when one sinner repents, think about that. Like in heaven, they're not waiting for like an altar call, like it has to be like a hundred people, or like otherwise, it's not really that important. No, one person, when one <laughs> sinner comes to acknowledge, Jesus, I need you, one person, heaven goes crazy. Like, like God the Father's up there, like <laughs> celebrating. Because what is his delight? His delight is being with his people and us knowing. His love, us
1: knowing His grace, us knowing who He is. So this is what I want us to do. Will you go ahead and stand with me?